Wonderful. I wonder if we could have the house lights up. It would be wonderful to see people's faces tonight. Bless you. Thank you. There you are. Great. <laughs> Good to see you. Okay, look, before I, uh, I preach tonight, can you just take a few moments just to pray for the person who is next to you? Pray the blessing of God on their life. They may not be used to this, and if they're not, do ask permission, but just bless them in Jesus' name. Pray that they will meet with God tonight. Pray that if they're sick, that they'll receive healing. That they would know the peace of God, the love of God. That they will encounter Jesus tonight. Father, we magnify your name here, Lord. Have your way, Holy Spirit, in this place. We thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Praise your great name. Praise your great name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place tonight. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are here, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We pray, Lord, that tonight that you would move amongst us, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Lord God, that you will touch those who need healing or who need to be delivered and set free. And we do pray, Lord, most of all, that you don't let one person in this place leave this place without the joy of forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. It's a great joy to be with you tonight and, uh, and a great honor to come and preach here at Liberty. Um, I have to freely confess it's one of my favorite churches to come to. And I, amen. There we are. I wasn't paid to say that, but I just had to say that. So uh, it's great. And I love the liberty and the hunger and the passion for God that exists within this church. It's, uh, it's tremendous. And I know that God is going to reward you and do great things. Whatever God does through us, he always starts by doing it in us. And I know that God is birthing something very significant and powerful in this place. So praise God for that. Tremendous. You know, through the years... I've had the privilege now of preaching the gospel for 26 years in uh, about 46 countries. I'm always on the go somewhere sharing Jesus with somebody, sometimes with very large crowds and other times just sitting on a street corner with somebody and sharing the love of God with them. And um, I have to say this, that one of the great joys of being so often on the go and meeting people from all different backgrounds and different nations is hearing the wonderful true life stories of how Jesus changes people's lives. You just hear them everywhere. People from all different backgrounds and all different religions and all different, uh, you know, isms and everything else around the world who've had an encounter with Jesus. And the thing that marks them out is once they encounter Him, their lives are eternally and irrevocably changed by the grace and power of God. Honestly, you cannot meet with Jesus Christ and stay the same. You will be changed when you meet with Him. And I just want to tell you one very simple story, a powerful story that, uh, that this one comes from India. God is doing amazing things in the continent. I like to say the continent. It's actually a country of India, but it's bigger than some continents. You know, more people live in India than in the whole of Europe put together. It's a massive, massive nation. And... Um, 
One of the stories that, that, that has come out from India, there is a wonderful Christian leader there today who has led multiple thousands to Christ, seen many great miracles, started many, many churches. He didn't start that way. Of course, no one is born a Christian. Sometimes in England, people have that feeling that, or that thought, that idea that they're born a Christian. Well, I, you know, last time I heard, you know, going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. It's a bit of an old one. But it's true. And, and going to church doesn't make you a Christian. And just being raised in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian. But the fact about it is this guy was not raised in a Christian home at all. He, in fact, was raised as a Hindu. But he remembers the time when as a young lad, before he ever left home, his mother, and of course they serve multiple gods. The Hindus have got thousands of gods for all manner of different things. Um, in fact, I can remember a particular time in Kenya where on the front page of the Kenyan Times, there was a major problem. There was a national outcry from the Hindus because the night before, people had come and robbed their gods and gone off with their gods. And I couldn't help but think to myself, who wants to worship a god that you have to protect? You know, that you... <laughs> I thought, isn't it much better to serve a God who protects you? I thought, you know. But anyway, the fact about it is that this young man was raised in the environment of many, many of these gods. And um, he remembers before he left home, one day his mother made this comment to him. He said, she said, son, soon you will be leaving home. And I need to say this to you. Although we serve many different gods and we worship many different gods who we call, in, call on in times of trouble. She said, if you are ever in real dire trouble and you, it seems that nobody can help you and nothing is, is working out your way and you've cried on the name of every other god you can possibly think of. He said, I know that there is a god. There is the god of the Christians, and the Christians tell me his name. And I tell you this, son, there is real power in his name, and his name is Jesus. Many years later, many years later, this young man, still a Hindu, contracted a terrible tropical disease, and he was dying on his bed, stricken with high fever, he called on Vishnu. He called on all these other names of different Hindu gods, but no help came. And suddenly, in the midst of his, of his delirium and, and high fever, the words of his mother came back to him. There is a name you can call on that has real power. And he began to cry out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the Lord came to him right in the middle of his high fever, close to the point of death, and touched his body. And he was totally healed and gave his life to Christ. Hallelujah. Today, he is a great leader in the body of Christ in India. But I have to say this to you today, whether you are Indian, African, South American, you know, English, wherever you come from, the reality is it is still true today as it always has been. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there is real power in the name of Jesus. The musicians got it right tonight with that song, There is Power in the Name of Jesus. I have just completed two missions before coming here. I got into England at 10 o'clock last night. And then um, after two missions, and then I uh, came along here today. We've preached twice already, and we're here tonight. But I tell you this, three nights ago while I was in Eastern Europe, and I was watching Facebook and looking at all the glorious things happening over here in Rotherham, 
Uh, we were having a great time, but I kept thinking, God, I wish I was at liberty tonight. I just thought, man, that looks awesome. But the fact about it is, is that while I was looking at that, and I knew I was coming here tonight, and I kept praying off and on, and I would just say, whenever I thought about it, Lord, what do you want me to preach on that night? And the Lord just kept saying to me, preach on the power of the name of Jesus. Preach on the power of the name of Jesus. And so I'm going to preach on the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want you to turn with me. If you've got a Bible with you, turn with me. If you don't, just listen in. But we want to start here at Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read through from verse 13 to verse 19. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist. Some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And of course, this is the real issue. This is really where it cuts to the cusp, the very issue of all of our hearts. This is what makes the very difference between our eternal destiny, between heaven or hell, between having a breakthrough of freedom in your life or staying as a captive, between peace and anxiety, health or sickness. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Jesus may be many things to many different people, but who is he to you? And this is the real issue. Who do men say that I am? They had many different answers. And all of the answers were good, were descriptions of of great people and of great prophets. But then he says, but who do you say that I am? It's a loaded question using the name I am, the name of God. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. Incidentally, those last verses that speak of the authority that every believer in Jesus Christ has to permit things or to forbid things in this world or in their life is entirely dependent upon our revelation of who Jesus Christ is and what he's accomplished for us as the Christ of God. Jesus Christ, as we know, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ means the anointed one. He is the one who has promised that all the prophets spoke of. And tremendous promises of of miraculous things are all accompanied with that name Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the chosen one. So really when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, it was a powerful statement. It was a loaded statement. He says, you're the one we've been waiting for. You are the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the miracle worker. You're the one who has the breakthrough that we all need. You're the one that all the promises of God concerning his kingdom and all of his glory are connected to. Amen. Jesus the Christ. And Jesus is on this rock, I will build my church. Incidentally, he didn't mean Peter. As a play on words here in the Greek language, one is Petra, the other Petros. Petra meaning a pebble. It's definitely an improvement on Simon that meant a reed, you know, kind of blown around by the wind. But Jesus didn't build his church on a pebble. He built it on a solid rock, Petros, like a rock of Gibraltar. And that is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. The church is built on the revelation of who Jesus is. And the name Jesus simply means God is salvation. 
It's a very broad concept. And salvation literally is the description of the work of God on the behalf of every human being who calls upon Him. In the sense that salvation speaks of forgiveness of sin. Salvation speaks of deliverance from the power of sin. It speaks of healing. It speaks of eternal life. It speaks of protection and freedom from fear. It's a whole orbed provision of God to meet every need of man. And it's all caught up in that one name, the name of Jesus. Back in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 23, the angel Gabriel came to Joseph by night because Mary was, this is before they're married, Mary is pregnant with the Son of God. She's a virgin. But she's conceived in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph doesn't know what's going on. He's thinking that he will quietly divorce her secretly. But an angel of the Lord comes. Gabriel comes to him and says, don't worry, Joseph. What is in her womb is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And so this is why Jesus came. And there is power to deliver us from sin in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I've been privileged around the world to see Jesus transform the lives of multiple people as they've called on the name of Jesus. Really, there is nothing that compares with the power of his name. And I really want to just share with you tonight just some of the aspects of the power that is in that name. You know, throughout the whole of the Bible, the name of the Lord is highly significant. We find in Scripture that every time God wanted to reveal an aspect of His nature and His character to His people, He gave them a new name. He revealed a new name. He said, described Himself as Jehovah Zidkanu, I am the Lord, your righteousness. Aren't you glad today that you can be made right with God, not on the basis of your righteousness or mine, but on the basis of His alone, given to us as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the real power to change our lives. That's what the message of the cross is all about. That Jesus became sin with our sin, that we might become righteous with His righteousness. That is the grace of God. Amen. Today, if you've come here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never received forgiveness of sins, you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven, I want to say to you today, you can be certain of forgiveness. You can be certain of heaven, and you can be certain of a relationship with God today, because Jesus paid the price for your sins on the cross. And there is that power in His name. But you have to call on Him to receive it. You have to put your faith in the fact he died in your place and rose again from the dead. Amen. Thank God we don't serve a dead Savior, but a living Savior who is transforming lives. So thank God there is power in the name of Jesus to save. He is our righteousness. The Bible talks about him being our shepherd. Many soldiers still in our British army today learn by heart, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Thank God that the Lord is still our shepherd, our protector, our shield, our provider, the one who restores our soul, who even prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Amen. He's the Lord, our shepherd. That is in his name. He is the Lord, our peace. The whole world is crying out for peace. 
It's amazing today. We hear all kind of stress management courses. We have people even arranging their room in a particular way so that it kind of channels peace. But then there's a bit of a problem in case somebody moved the settee, you know, it might cause a disturbance of peace. But the fact about it is, is that we can know peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, having supernatural peace because the Lord is our peace. He is the Lord, our healer, thank God. Thank God he does wonderful miracles. I don't know whether uh, any of you remember back in February. I don't know if the young lady is here. Is the young lady here who was healed in February who had, uh, yeah, had uh, palsy and your face came back and was healed? She's traveling back from somewhere. But there was a young lass who was here in February. Bless her heart. And she had, through all the stress and strain of all she'd been through, uh, you know, out of a very, very traumatized um, situation, life experience, she woke up on New Year's Day with Bell's palsy. And half of her face had dropped on this side. And I remember when she came forward with some of her friends, some of her here, as you can hear tonight. And uh, they came forward in a meeting here on the Saturday night. And we were praying for healing. We were ministering to the sick, and she came forward. She's a pretty lass, and I remember, I thought, this must be awful for her. Well, she is. She's in her 20s or something like that, probably. But, you know, her face had dropped, and this whole side of her face, and her eye was down, her lip was down. And, you know, sometimes when we pray for the sick, we really feel the power of God. Sometimes you feel like a burning heat, and people say, oh, what's that? And I say, don't worry. Heat is good. It's the Holy Spirit, and he's just touching you and healing you. And he manifests his power in many different ways. And, you know, we were praying for different people, and I really felt the power of God that night praying for different people. But when I came to her and I saw her condition, I reached out and touched her face. I honestly felt absolutely nothing. But as I touched her face and the words came out of my mouth, in the name of Jesus, when I said his name right in front of my face and a whole bunch of people here, the face just lifted right back into position. And the eye was healed, the mouth was healed, everything was restored. The thing that was lovely... That happened on the Saturday night, and on the Wednesday, she had to go to the consultants. And, uh, and it was wonderful, you know, from what the guys tell me, you know, she walked in there, and the consultant took a look at her and said, I can see that you're fine, but we have to run the medical stuff. But anyway, she walked out of there totally medically confirmed healed by the power of Jesus. It's wonderful. That's our Jesus. Do you think that Jesus loves her more than he does you? No. Jesus loves every one of us the same. I love to say this to people. He has no favorites but you. Jesus is on your side. It's wonderful to know. I don't re- think many of us realize how much he's on our side. But you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that if God did not withhold his own son from us, how will he not together with him freely give us all things? All things come with the son. They come with the name of Jesus. If he will give you his son, Think about it. He didn't withhold Jesus from you. He didn't withhold Jesus from me. Thank God. And there is such power in his name. And all these names are revealed throughout the Old Testament. And whenever his name is worshipped and praised and lifted up, his glory comes. God said when he, was, when he instructed Moses to build the, the tabernacle and later on with Solomon when they established the temple of Solomon and it was dedicated. And he said this, that his name would be revealed. 
his name was to be declared and revealed there. And, you know, at the altar. And he said that where his name was declared, there his glory would rest. And so you see again and again, even when God in Exodus 33 and 34, Moses cried out to God to reveal his glory. And what did God do? He passed by and he declared his name. There is a connection between the name of the Lord and the glory of the Lord. When the temple of Solomon was dedicated and they began with one voice to sing, praise the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Describing his name and his character, that the glory of God came like a cloud and they could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud of his glory. I've been in meetings like that. You've been in meetings like that where the glory comes. My goodness, it's utterly awesome. And healing is so easy in his presence as he just comes and he touches people. Many, many, many get healed without anybody laying hands on them or or anything. God just does it. Just tremendous. So there was an army officer two days ago who turned up in Slovakia. Actually, he works for NATO and uh, he's been in charge of NATO um, in Europe. He's quite so. He's quite quite a big name in all of that scene. And he came along to the meeting because he had a serious back problem and one of his legs was shorter than the other. It reminded me of it because the presence and power of God suddenly came in the meeting. And I sat him down to, as you often do when you're praying for people with one leg shorter than the other, you know, I lifted it up. But I didn't get the words out of my mouth. The moment I touched his foot, the power of God hit him and the leg just grew straight out. And, and you know, I didn't have to do anything. It's not about me. It's about him and his presence and his glory was there. And he just touched him. Uh, let, me, let me just say, it's very important. You know, I, I've seen Jesus heal thousands of people, but I want to say very clearly right now that there is no healer in this place tonight but Jesus Christ. He is the only healer. He is the only healer. And we just rejoice in his power to heal and to deliver. We find this that his name brings healing. One of the great uh, accounts we have here, it's a beautiful account in Acts chapter 3. I'm just going to read it to us here. This is wonderful. It says, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. We go on further to verse 12 as as loads of people had gathered around seeing this miracle. And the Bible says that when Peter saw it, he responded to the people saying, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just, and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. What power there is in the name of Jesus. I can remember, and I trust this story will not shake um, some of you up, um, who maybe... You know, I know that many of you here are familiar with the power of God and with the, with the fact that there is a supernatural world. But I have to say is there are many people in our world today in Western civilization who deny the reality of the supernatural. And yet they're always getting out their newspapers and they're checking out to, to see what the stars have to say about them and there's all of this kind of stuff. But still in their next breath, they deny the reality of the supernatural. But the fact about it is that this is a spiritual world that we live in. And the spiritual world interacts with the natural world all the time. You'd be amazed when you go out on the streets of England today. How many times people come up and say, can I ask you, are ghosts real? You know, do you ever drive out ghosts from, from poltergeists, from, from houses? We've got something in our house and we don't know how to get rid of it. That may sound hilarious, but I can tell you something, it's real. And I've walked into some of those houses. You go into a certain room and there is a cold atmosphere in that room. And you walk in there, every other room is fine. And you discover something happened there and, you know, the demonic has come into that place. But we go in and say, in the name of Jesus, I've gone in and addressed up, and you felt like a whoosh go past you and the thing goes, and the whole atmosphere changes. And so when people say, can you get rid of this thing? They say, yes, we can. I said, there's a name. There's a name that will deal with it. And it's the name of Jesus. And there's real power in his name. But I'll tell you, I, 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 can remember, I was 19 years old when I first started to discover some of this. I went out to Rwanda in East Africa to preach the gospel. And I remember on the first day that I arrived there, um, you know, we were preaching and uh, we were in a stadium. And, and it was just, as, as gospel campaigns do, it was building night by night. And we went by a couple of nights and, and there were some healings, but they were fairly minor kind of healings. And, um, and there were people getting saved. But I was disturbed that there were no greater healings happening. And I wondered what was going on. And I remember that on the third day, uh, we went for a walk up into the African villages. And it was a typical kind of African village scene, if you've ever been out there. You know, there's just, there's meat hanging from the, you know, out by the walls there. And there's flies all over it and all of that. And there's all the black kids and they come running up to you as a, as a crowd around you shouting, Mzungu, Mzungu, meaning white man. And... And you're the biggest entertainment in town, really. They've never seen anybody white before. And so I had a pastor from England with me. Now, he had never experienced much in all of the supernatural realm, but he's with me. And, um, you know, I remember this kind of shook him up a little. He wanted to get back in the car as quickly as possible. But we were in this crowd just surrounded by all these kids and other people. And suddenly I became aware of another realm. And I found myself looking. I had this feeling it was coming from this side of the crowd. And this woman pushed through the crowd. And I could see by the way she was dressed. Um, you'd have to be in Africa to understand that comment. But I could tell by the way she was dressed. And by the fact that it looked like there were several pairs of eyes looking through her eyes. Coming towards me. And she grabbed my hand. And she began to scream into my face to curse me. Now at that point, you know, forgive me. I, I'm a, you know. 
Well, I'm an Englishman, and so, you know, it got the better side of me. So she grabbed hold of me and shouting at me, cursing me. I said, pardon me, madam, what's that? You know, there's no... And, and then I thought, this is no time to be English, John. So, so I kind of shook her off and said, get off in Jesus' name, like this. Well, then she disappeared into the crowd. And the pastor said to me, he said, uh, you know, what do you think about that woman? I said, uh, I said, she's a witch. He said, you think so? I said, yeah, I know she is. I said, where is she? She thinks she's going to affect us. Let's go and infect her with something. I said, we're going to go and get those demons out of her and get her free in Jesus' name. So, you know, I remember suddenly I saw her and she was going through the crowd like this. So I, I started to run after her. I said, hey, you, come here in Jesus' name. She's running through the crowd. I got about as close as where AD is right here on the front row. And as God is my witness, I got this close and she disappeared in front of my face. Thin air like that. That's a demonic counterfeit of how the Holy Spirit can transport people around. It happened to Elijah in the Old Testament. It happened to Philip, you know, didn't it, in the New Testament. Three times it happened to me in my upbringing. Three times I was almost knocked down by a car. I remember, uh, you know, I remember several times literally standing in front of a car and, and the, the thing about to hit me. And, uh, and then suddenly I was on the other side of the road not knowing how I got there. And I just thank God for his protection over my life. And thank God he'll protect us, you know. He'll protect us. I thank God I had a mom and dad who were praying for me. I didn't understand too much about that in those days. But my mom and dad stood before God on my behalf. Amen. But you know something? Um, I remember this woman, she disappeared. And uh, at that point, my, my fellow pastor friend said, look, John, I, I want to get back in the car at this point. <laughs> and I remember we, we, finally we got back to the hotel we got back to this hotel, and uh, neither of us wanted to admit that we were slightly disturbed by the witch. So we sat in the hotel, and we were kind of pushing the food around the table. And um, none of us admitting it. We were both spiritual Rambos, you know, <laughs> this is the way we felt. And, and we're going like this, and, and, and then eventually we both looked at each other and said, the witch. He said, yeah, the witch. Said, Come on, we better pray. And so we went back to our room, and we phoned the church in England to pray. There's a real power in prayer, isn't there? And we really took our stand together in prayer. And as we're praying, we sense a breakthrough of the presence of God that came. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me from Acts chapter 3. And he said to me very clearly, remember who you are and remember who you represent. And take my authority out with you next time you go in the name of Jesus. And I remember I stood the next time. The very next day we were um, literally at the, um, right out in the, in the bush, if you like. And we were there by a hill, and there were 5,000 people gathered without any advertising. This is Africa. And uh, they're all waiting there. We started to preach the gospel. When we started to pray for the sick and declare the name of Jesus, people started getting healed. Now, when all of this happens, one of the most beautiful miracles I remember seeing, suddenly, as people are giving their testimonies, there is this very, very black African lady. She starts to push through the crowd. And she comes to the front. As she comes, the only way I could describe it is like she's got one of these bright lights on inside her head. Light is shining from her face, the glory of God. And in key Rwandan, she tells the crowd what Jesus has done for her. This is her story. She was helped to the place. She was blind since she was a little kid. And she was helped to that place to hear the gospel by her friends. But as she stood in the crowd and we prayed in the name of Jesus, suddenly she saw a man standing in front of her dressed in white. And she knew it was Jesus. And a sensation of heat went through her body and her eyes were opened and she could see again. I tell you, the crowd rejoiced and praised God. 
It's absolutely wonderful. But Jesus Christ is alive today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's right here in this room tonight. He's not any different in Rotherham to what he is in Rwanda. He is the same all over the world. Sometimes people see him. I've had people in England see him in meetings, see him personally, uh, you know, in all manner of situations. And other times people don't see him, but nonetheless they feel his presence. And Jesus draws near to them, and their lives are changed. Sometimes it happens in dreams. Sometimes it happens in meetings like this. But I tell you this, that if you call on his name tonight, he will come to you. One way or another, he'll come to you. But he'll come in his power, and he will touch you. He comes to heal. He comes to set free. He comes to release. There really is nothing too hard for the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. I, I've had even with, with, with non-Christians, it's wonderful, the kindness of the Lord. It's amazing. Have you ever seen how many times in Scripture Jesus just forgives people and he heals people? Sometimes even before they've ever repented. Sometimes even before they've, he just comes to them and he just showers mercy on them. And it's kindness leading to repentance. It's the goodness of God. Amen. And so I want you to be confident to come to the Lord today because he's on your side. And his name really does bring healing. His name brings refreshing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God. We can call on the name of Jesus and he comes to us not only as the healer, but he also comes as the one who is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He pours out his spirit. And I tell you what, it's amazing when the spirit of God gets poured out in places. In Uganda on one occasion, we're just teaching the leaders there, a thousand leaders, on the power of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly the spirit of God fell. And it was glorious. At first, people were getting baptized in the spirit and speaking in other tongues and there was great joy and and then they started to sing and then suddenly the atmosphere changed and the Holy Spirit went to war and 30 or 4 at a time 30 or 40 would hit the deck and demons would come screaming out of them and they'd get delivered as the power of God came on them and set them free and many 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 baptized in the Holy Spirit and it's amazing then how he releases not only his power but the gifts of the Holy Spirit when we call upon him Uh, Some of the people, of course, getting baptized, speaking in other tongues as they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful in England, you know, when you see people baptized in the Spirit and they're speaking out in other tongues in, you know, in languages. They may be foreign languages, earthly languages. They might be heavenly languages. But it's a wonderful thing. It's part of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that comes to us. But one of the most disconcerting things is when you're in another nation and you pray for people who can't speak English and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit and then they start praising God in perfect English whenever they speak in other tongues. I've had it happen. And I tell you what, I remember a nine-year-old kid in South America and I prayed for him to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And as he was baptized in the Spirit, he he starts to shout out. Glory to the Lamb on the throne. And to, he said, He poured out His blood for us. To Him be glory forever and ever. I'm just looking at him. No, no, no. I, I said, and, and so I stopped him. I said, No, no, not in English. No, no, no. And I said, Oh. Um, I had to get the interpreter over. I said, Can you check him out? Just ask if he knows any English. So we asked him in Latin American Spanish. And the guy turned around and said, He said, Pourquoi? You know, no, okay, all right, I said, look, come on, let's, let's just pray together again. Let's pray in tongues and worship Jesus. And we start to pray in tongues again, and off he goes, glory to the Lamb upon the throne who reigns forever and ever. And he was speaking the most perfect English. But when he was out of the Spirit, he couldn't say a word of it. Just phenomenal. 
I mean, do you really know that you're, you're just dealing with God that way? Isn't it just phenomenal? Amen. Glory to God. Well, thank God for the Holy Spirit. There are times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord that comes when the name of Jesus is lifted up. There is healing in the name of Jesus. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. Thank God. And there is salvation in the name of Jesus. Salvation is the greatest miracle that can happen to a human being. Physical healings are wonderful. Resurrections from the dead are happening today. Can I just say this to you? I've personally seen five raised. But I have, I have met friends, and I have friends, who've raised 31. I, in, in, in Congo, well, in Rwanda, I asked 60 leaders how many had seen the, the dead raised back to life. I was very specific. I said, people who've been dead at least three days with medical evidence. How many of you have seen them raised back to life? 20 of them raised their hand. But then they said this to me. John, they said, over the border in Congo, they said, really, they said the dead being raised to life is so common, it's no longer considered a great miracle. It's true. It's true. It's happening in England. Can I say to you, it's happening in England. It's happening in England. God is raising the dead in England. And, and you know, we ought to be expectant. We are living in days, and I believe they are ever-increasing, where we are going to see a greater outpouring of the miraculous in the United Kingdom than we have seen for many, many, many years. I was stirred to my core three weeks ago, speaking at a conference in another part of the UK, where a, an old boy, bless him, an older man, and he just sat there. He, I noticed he was very quiet during a lot of the conference, but we sat down and we had breakfast together. And as we sat down having breakfast together, suddenly he starts opening up and he shares over some porridge. And this is what he begins to say to me. He says, you know, John, my dad, he used to set up Smith Wigglesworth's itineraries down in London. I said, wow, right, okay. So when I was a young man, he said, I got to know Wigglesworth. And he prayed for us every time he stayed in the home. We saw, him do, we saw the Lord do many great miracles through him. He said, but then he introduced us to George Jeffries. And he said, and you know, I mean, George Jeffries was the only Englishman to fill the Royal Albert Hall every month for 10 years in the Pentecost revival. Quite an awesome thing. But you know something, he, this is, it's what he told me as a personal witness. I mean, he's looking at me and he's saying this, honestly, John, he said, you have to remember. He said it was the early 50s. It was after the war. He said, you know, there were people there with arms that had been blown off, legs, legs blown off. He said, eyes that were missing. He said, and, and it says, as God is my witness, I used to sit there as a nine-year-old lad. And he said, and as he would walk in. He said, sometimes, he said, this literally happened, and I witnessed it myself. As he would walk in and go down the aisle, the presence of God would be on him. He said, people would start shouting out, my leg's growing. My eyes just, I've just got a new eye just, just come in, into my eye socket. He said, others would say, my arm, my arm's growing. It's true. It's true. And God does that kind of stuff today. He does do that kind of stuff today. So, I mean, the maximum I've seen is about that much regrowth. But, you know, and now and again, we've seen people who've had metal rods put in their back, you know, through operations. And the power of God has come and they've been healed. And they've gone back to the same surgeons and they've done fresh x-rays and they cannot find the metal rod. Jesus has dissolved it. 
But there's another guy down south who ministers quite regularly uh, uh, in that area. And honestly, this is what happens. And it's fairly regular. He prays for people. And as they pray with these folks with the metal rods in there, the metal gets so hot, it goes molten. It comes out through the skin and drops on the floor and burns on the floor. And yet the skin is unharmed. That happens regularly through his ministry here in the UK. So I can tell you something. Jesus is doing miracles in the United Kingdom, isn't he? Amen? It is Jesus. It's Jesus. By means of testimony, let's just look around this room for a moment. If I ask the question, how many people here have been supernaturally healed by the power of God in response to prayer in the name of Jesus? Just raise your hand. Okay. Look around, guys. Just keep your hand up. Look around. Okay. Take courage. If you need a miracle from Jesus tonight, take courage. Because all of these people are witnesses to the power of God, having healed them. Amen. Let me say what Jesus has done for them, he will do for you. Put your faith in God tonight. But as we bring this to a close, I want to say this to you. The power of the name of Jesus brings salvation into people's lives. I'm going to give you an English example as we just pray this. It's, it's great to tell you testimonies from around the world. But this is a very precious testimony. It's very real to what's going on in our country today. You know that in England today, one in every four marriages is broken up in the first five years. One in every four 14-year-olds, only one in every four 14-year-olds, this statistic came out in the Daily Mail in December last year, only one in every four 14-year-olds in our country today has anybody left to call dad. We have a hugely fractured society. And England statistically today is the loneliest, loneliest nation in the whole of Europe because of our immorality. Because of people throwing out marriage as God has defined it. And so we're living in a very broken world that desperately needs the love of God and the saving grace of Jesus. Last year we were down ministering in Kent, in Ashford in Kent. This is the story. There was a couple who came into the meeting that Sunday morning. I'll never forget them. She was fairly short. He was quite tall. And as they came together, they came to the front to give their lives to Christ. And the power of God came on them. They wept and they wept and they wept. And they gave their life to Jesus. And they were just overwhelmed by the goodness of God. And the Holy Spirit came on them. And it was a, it was a wonderful and glorious time. But I didn't know their story until later on as they told me. And their children were there with them. It was just beautiful. But... This is the story. A year before that meeting, he who was a very successful businessman, they had a nice house, everything that they could have wanted, they had it. But he started to go to the gym after work every day. He would go along to the gym. And one day as he was in the gym exercising, a young lady befriended him and really in many ways seduced him. His heart fell for her and tragically, one night, they went back to her flat, and he fell to adultery. At the end of that, he felt so ashamed of himself, he couldn't face his wife. So rather than go back to his wife and children, he just booked himself into a hotel. He started to go from that hotel to work every day. But he found that he was so ridden with guilt and shame, he couldn't concentrate even on his work. 
And so after a while, he lost his job. Then the money starts to run out. He moves in with this girl. But as often happens in these situations, after three months, she's fed up of him and kicks him out. Now he's on the streets. All the money has run out. He becomes a drunken beggar on the streets. Once a successful businessman who could hold his head up high. And now he's a drunken guy on the streets. His wife is suffering. His kids are suffering. Struggling to pay the bills. Struggling to have uh, sufficient food to eat and clothes to wear. All of that scenario. The mortgage not being paid and, and all of that. And while she's at the place of absolutely rock bottom, thank God that there was a local believer who came along and stuck a leaflet through the door of the meeting that we were going to hold that Sunday in Ashford Christian Fellowship in Kent. And this is all the leaflet said. There is hope in Ashford Christian Fellowship, Sunday, 10.30 a.m., And she got on the phone. She hadn't been able to get in touch with her husband for six months. She had tried and tried and tried. He had never answered the phone. But remarkably, this time, she phones him up. And when she phones him up, he answers. And when he answers, she just says this to him. I don't know where you are or what you've done. But I want you to know that I still love you. And there is hope down at Ashford Christian Fellowship at 10.30. She said, I don't know God myself. I don't understand what this means or what it's all about. She said, but if you'll meet me down there, or if you just want me to come and get you, she said, I will meet you there at 1030 this morning. She said, I don't know about you, but I need hope. I need God. And if you'll come, let's go in together. They met outside of the church building and they went in together. And they went in together, husband, wife, and kids. And at that moment, they came in, they heard the gospel and their lives were radically changed. Today, thank God, Today, he is totally delivered from alcoholism. They serve the Lord faithfully. They're in church every Sunday, loving Jesus and serving God. That's the power of the gospel to change people's lives. I've seen him change the lives of of terrorists who've killed hundreds of people. Think of what it's like. Sometimes in some nations where I've gone, I've been driven along in the car and as conversation goes along on the way to a church, I realize that the guy in the, in the, in the seat there, in the passenger seat to the left, you know, he's a, an ex-fundamentalist Hindu, you know, and, and he used to carry the, the heads, you know, and all of that in the bags. And, and this guy over here who's driving, he's an ex-fundamentalist Muslim and he used to ax people up and all this kind of stuff, you know, and then now they're both pastors and I'm so glad that they're saved. And I I'm in the car with them. But it's incredible when you meet them and you see how Jesus changed their lives. And the stories that they, you know, of their salvations are absolutely remarkable. Many of them, Jesus has come to them in dreams. Some of them came. I remember the Hindu. He, he booked up to see a pastor pretending that he was, a, that he was a, a Hindu who was seeking salvation. And he was troubled in his soul, he said. And I've come for I want some help, some pastoral counsel. So they made an arrangement and he turned up. But he had his machete down, his trousers down here. And as he came in and once the secretary had gone and he's alone with the pastor, he took the machete out and he goes to kill the pastor. But as he goes to do it like this, he's frozen to the spot. And can't move. He has to give his life to Christ. And when he calls on the name of Jesus, only then does he, he, you know, he drops the machete. He falls to his knees. He gives his life to Christ. And of course, what the pastor does after that, after praying for him and leading him through to Christ, what he does in terms of discipleship, he calls another guy who's another ex-Hindu terrorist to come along. 
and to disciple him because <laughs> he totally understands. But all of these things, I tell you, it's remarkable how Jesus changes their lives. Jesus is changing lives all over the world. You may be someone here and you just say, well, John, the reality is, yeah, I, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty decent person. I mean, the fact is I understand that terrorist needed to be saved. But, you know, I haven't cut anybody's head off. I haven't gone committing any crazy crimes. And I haven't even slept around. Or I haven't, you know, gone to wild parties and taken drugs. I haven't, you know, I'm a pretty decent person and all of that. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus goes right to the core of our hearts. And he says this, the law says you shall not commit adultery. But I say that if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. The law says you shall not murder, but I say to you that if you hate your brother, you've already murdered him. And if you say to somebody, you fool or idiot, you're close to the fires of hell. The testimony of God is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a savior. I am shocked today by what is coming out on the internet, in our newspapers, on Facebook, concerning the gay issue and all the other stuff that is going on. I am shocked at the high percentage of Christians who put stuff on social media and say, it's not for you to judge. Can I just make a statement for a moment? The judgment of God concerning our sins and what is sin and what is not sin is not based on human opinion. If it was based on human opinion, then we could treat it like somebody else's. We could say, well, as long as they're happy, it's okay and we prefer this way. But the judgment of God is based according to his righteousness. And therefore, when God says something, It is absolutely true. It's not a matter of what I say. It's not a matter of what some other preacher says. It's not a matter of what the Archbishop of Canterbury says or some other Christian leader says. It is actually the matter of what God's Word says. And that is the issue. And that's what we have to look squarely in the eye. You know, God loves people. But God hates sin. Why does He hate sin? Because sin destroys people's lives. Amen. We need to be saved. All of us need to be saved. Every single one. I sometimes say to my wife and I have got three boys. I've never had to train them to do wrong. It all happens quite naturally. (laughs) But the fact about it is, is that they need salvation. They come from a pretty good line. Thank God they've all received Jesus as their Savior. But I can say this to you, that if they hadn't prayed to receive Christ as their Savior, the fact that their dad is in ministry, that their granddad's in ministry, that their great-granddad was in ministry, and that their great-great-granddad was in ministry, does not mean that they would be saved. God has no grandchildren. He's got no great-grandchildren. He's only got kids. And you have to come yourself and receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. Amen. 
So right now, I'm going to say this to you. The cross is the place where we can come with our sin and leave with God's righteousness. Tonight, no matter what your background is, whether you feel that you've lived a very good life, whether you know you've lived a life that you, would, that you don't want anybody to know about the details, let me just say this to you. Either way, you need salvation. And Jesus is here to save you today. And there is power in his name to save you. Amen. And so that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to pray right now. I'm going to lead us all in a very simple prayer. It's a prayer that I prayed when I became a Christian. And I tell you this, God delights to answer it. It's a life-changing prayer. If you've never, ever received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, this is your moment. Pray this prayer and mean it. Don't pray it to get the preacher off your back or somebody else. Pray it because you mean it, because you believe it. This is the Bible promise in Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That is the promise of God. And so as we pray this prayer, pray it after me. I'll give a space for you to say it line by line. The important thing is you believe it. And you say it with your mouth. If you have been away from God, like Jesus spoke of the story of the prodigal son, and you've been away, you also pray this prayer to come back to the Father. He's here with open arms for you. And everybody else, let's pray this prayer to commit our lives to Christ in supporting the people who need you for a first time or a recommitment to Christ. Shall we just pray? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes in the presence of God. Just say this after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you love me, that you died for my sins and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Lord, I have sinned and I cannot save myself. Jesus, save me. I turn from sin. I give my life to you. Come into my heart. Make me brand new. I receive you as my Savior. I acknowledge you as Lord. Jesus is Lord. You are now my Lord. And I will love you and serve you as long as I live. Thank you for a new life, for a new beginning. I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want us just to keep our heads bowed, our eyes closed for a moment, please. Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I will confess you before the Father in heaven. But if you don't confess me before people, neither will I confess you before the Father. Jesus is waiting to confess you before the Father tonight. I want to say this to you tonight, that you could check it out in your own Bible, that anyone that Jesus ever called, he called them publicly. He died on a cross publicly, and he's calling you publicly tonight. So I'm going to ask you right now to take two more steps. This is the first one. If you prayed that prayer for a first time, or you prayed that prayer to recommit your life to Christ, I want you right now in the presence of God just to put your hand right up in the air. Just raise it right up, right where you are. God bless you. 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 To anybody else, God bless you. To anybody else, you're saying, yes, John, today. I prayed it, I meant it. God bless you. Anybody else say, yes, I'm giving my life to Jesus for a first time or a recommitment. God bless you, love. Anyone else, just respond to him right now and join these others. Say, yes, that's me. I'm getting right with God. Don't leave it another day. You don't know if you have tomorrow, but you have now. God bless you, love. Anyone else? Come on, raise your hand up quickly if there's anybody else. 
If you've got that battle going on on the inside of you, may I just say, you are the only one who can settle it. God has given you the dignity and responsibility of your own choice. Is there anybody else now who needs to respond? Be my last time. God bless you, mate. Fantastic. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you, love. Thank you, Father. God bless you, love, over there. Holy Spirit, continue your work. Continue your work, Lord. Continue your work. This is the last night of this event. Don't miss it. If this is the last time you ever hear the gospel, are you making the right decision? Think about it. If there's anybody else, please join these others. And we'll pray for you. It's been an honor just to pray for you today. Anybody else? You're saying yes. Just put your hand up and put it down again. Thank you, Father. Okay. I'm going to ask right now for the worship team to come back. I'm going to ask that everybody who raised their hand or knows that you should have done, I want you as everybody else stands. Let's just stand together. And if you raised your hand or you know that you should have done, I want you to leave your seats and come and join me at the front right now. I'm going to pray for you wherever you are. If people are either side of you, just ask them if they can just make room for you to come and just come. If you raise your hand and know that you should have done, just come. God bless you. God bless you. Just come in Jesus' name. Come on, just come. Don't wait. Don't hang about. Just come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Look, if you're not sure, just make sure. If you didn't raise your hand, but you know you ought to be here, just come. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Thank you, Father. Just make your way right forward to the front. That's great. Bless you. Well done, mate. Well done. Bless you. Is there anybody else? There is freedom If you're tired and you are thirsty Say